Welcome to the Graybeard Chronicles podcast. Your hosts, Brian Halstead and Kevin Harkins, are two gray-bearded patriots who love God, their family and friends, and their country. The Graybeards are here to inspire, inform, and educate you on a myriad of topics they are passionate about. Brian and Kevin have a strong desire to share this with you to help you live your best life. Sit back and enjoy this amazing podcast as the Graybeards pass along the wisdom of the ages. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 38 of the Graybeard Chronicles. I'm Brian Halstead, and I'm here tonight with my partner in crime, Kevin Harkins. And we uh, we are excited to uh, be bringing you another episode of the Graybeard Chronicles. We had a, uh, a great talk, great conversation last week with, uh, with Chrissy Stewart, and certainly hope that uh, all of you that are listening now have had a chance to listen to that. If you haven't, uh, it is worth your time to go back and uh, and listen to it. Uh, Chrissy's husband David was a uh, Marine killed in action in Afghanistan in 2014, and she shares that story with us and how she's gotten through that uh, that tragedy and made it to you know where she is today almost six years later. And uh, great uh, great story um, of resilience for uh, you know both her and her her children, and uh, something you definitely should take the time to listen to. Yeah, she's a she's a strong woman, and that was that was really neat to be exposed to uh, to her, you know, through that conversation and to learn from her. I, I enjoyed it, and I know I know that anybody that listens to it will be will be a better person as a result, for sure. So so today is the twenty third of March. In the year of our Lord, 2020. 2020. And uh, as many of you know, we are dealing with an interesting time in our society. Now, when you, when you listen to this, it will be um, the 25th, because it'll, uh, it'll upload on the morning of, uh, of the 25th, that Wednesday. But as you well know, there's some interesting things going on, and uh, we will certainly um, not go this entire episode without weaving some conversation in about the, uh, the current events with... Uh, the coronavirus and so on, and it actually ties into the conversation that we're going to be have, having tonight. So definitely tie in. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the things that are being done as, as a result and so on. But, um, anyways, uh, who's going to give the title out tonight? Would you like to do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it's it. Your, it's your subject, so you you do the honor, sir. Yeah, and thank you. This is something that's been on my mind for a while, and the reason that it fits in this particular spot is is because the coronavirus does actually speak to several of the elements of what it means what it means to be American and in particular the title of this week's podcast is is America truly exceptional and if so why and that uh, american exceptionalism is a phrase that's been kicked around uh far as i can tell maybe the the first time that it it was put in print was by Tocqueville back in the mid 1800s. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, my my uh, typical sarcastic response to that was going to be um, right after somebody saw us. Yes, exactly. Somebody came and visited and went around and took a sounding, as we like to say in the first right. term, about what what is this this experiment called America and how are they doing? And he uh, left and wrote some amazing things about what he observed. So. Yeah, that was the first time, and then it's been brought up, and it's been debated, and back and forth. But uh, this whole concept of American exceptionalism 
And uh, at least without getting into any details, uh, yeah, I guess I can let my cat out of the bag. And not that anybody would wonder what I thought about it anyway, <laughs> based on what they've heard on this podcast in the fall. I, I, I absolutely believe that, that America is exceptional. Shocker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, I, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by either one of us saying that. And we'll talk about why throughout. But uh, yeah, so that was, I, I think it's a good topic to talk about. And, and you asked me a question, and, and we can jump into it just before we came on the air here, was, the, you know, the government is clamping down hard on this coronavirus, and it, the, it is shutting down the economy. It is shutting down people's lives. It is shutting down people's businesses. And that is an encroachment upon our freedom which is probably the single most important element of American exceptionalism, in my view. And where is the line there? Is it, is it uh, have they gone too far? Uh, is it the right thing that, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about American government as by the people, for the people, is that what's happening here? Is it, is it by the people, for the people? So, you know, yeah. what, what's interesting about what they're doing is the timing and the reason I say that is, had this occurred 10 years ago, or let's, let's even go back you know, 20 years ago, um, wouldn't even be a conversation, right? It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be a concern that the government is infringing upon the freedoms of Americans by restricting uh, businesses and so on like they're doing right mm-hmm. now, especially mm-hmm. here in Virginia. Uh, some new things came out from the governor, governor today, and, and same thing in Maryland, right? So... Um, and, and many more states. But, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think we would have second-guessed it, right? Um, however... And, and why do you say that? Are you getting ready to explain um, that? Yeah, okay. I'm getting ready to explain right. that. So right. how, it, it's all about the timing and the things that have cur- occurred here very recently, right? So the attacks that we've had on the Second Amendment right. by uh, some of the politicians out there that, you know, we, we thought we would never see... Um, you know, that have just occurred, particularly here in Virginia. In the last few months. Yeah. And then, you know, now this is, is happening. And, and like I said, under normal circumstances, I would not question the rationale behind what they're doing here. But the thing that scares the crap out of me is what conclusions might some of these politicians who don't have the greatest intentions make based on how the, the public is responding or complying. Taking advantage of the crisis for their own purposes. Yeah. That's what you're suggesting yeah, or, or going on. Or maybe, I don't know that they're taking advantage of the crisis. And oh. at the same time, what I think they might be doing is, is learning some lessons that they might in turn use in ways that are not so productive. <laughs> Well, okay. And maybe that's a, you know, you might be a, giving them too much a credit. A lot of conspiracy <laughs> thinking in my and you know, for me, but uh, yeah, and I may be giving them too much credit, but you know, it's um like I said that's why I say if it was 20 years ago, wouldn't wouldn't have questioned it. Um but on the heels of the other bullshit that they've been pulling here lately, um you know, it it certainly causes you to, you know, kind of lift an eyebrow and wonder what they've got up their sleeve. Uh and I'm supporting it, right? Yep. Because, because I do think at some point, and I don't know where the line is, uh, however, I do believe at some point public health and safety and well-being 
does outweigh those personal freedoms. And, you know, where, where that is or how far that limit, goes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wonder if um, telling private business owners that they can't operate or have more than, you know, 10 people in their facility or whatever, I just wonder if that's taken it too far. Yeah, the debate that goes on in my head is exactly along those lines. <clears throat> and it's, again, back to Abraham Lincoln Government is for the people, by the people, by the people, for the people. And, you know, in my own words, the purpose of government is to create an environment, first of all, where people thrive, and second of all, to protect the citizens over time. And, and is this, does this fall into that? Is this circumstance so unique, so exceptional, so different in our lifetime that this um, unprecedented in our lifetime um, overtaking of so many things by the government or ordering certain things is it is it okay and um, it, maybe it is right now you know if, although gosh it just it seems like I, there was a the president put out a, a tweet I don't know yesterday maybe maybe it was today or day I don't know within the last couple of days it said don't don't let the the cure be worse than the disease. And, uh, and, and that, you know, I wonder about that because, yeah, I mean, it, the, the virus is very contagious. It, it, as, you know, I'm not a doctor and I'm not, I won't claim to be, but apparently we've heard it's very contagious. And, and the death rate, if you contract it, is much, much higher than the cold or flu, although many more people die so far of the, the cold or flu than, than have you know, we're not even close to the numbers on this coronavirus. No, but they—they they are climbing rapidly. They're climbing rapidly, and they're doing everything they can to not let it get there. I think that's what they don't want, which I understand. But uh, anyway, I—it's I, so. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. I'm okay right now. I don't know if I'll be okay a month from now. Right. That's that's sort of where and, I'm at. You know, and the other thing is, we we need to, uh, and because I've heard. People say this, that um, we as a country, America, is going to have a greater problem with the coronavirus than some of the other countries because we as a society are not as obedient as other societies mm. are and not as ready to or as willing to follow the direction of the government. And probably a lot more mobile so, as well. We move around a lot. Yeah, so, you know, our can, can our freedoms and... and and, and our desire to hold on to them and, and push back on any, inf you know, uh, perceived uh, infringements thereof cause us to or actually be a detriment to us. I, I, you know, something to think about. It's a, it's a good segue, segue to another element of uh, what I consider to be American exceptionalism, and that is there is a general respect for the rule of law, and that's what people are doing right now, you know, the those who we have elected and, and put into places and positions of authority and responsibility, governmental positions of authority and responsibility above us, have said, this is what you need to do, and we are, we are right now generally respecting that. And, I mean... Most no, are. Yeah, most are. No, no, nothing's perfect. We don't always do it right, and we don't always do it well. But for the most part, we do. And, uh, and I like that. Uh, but but there are there are many many examples and we could we could go down a rabbit hole 
um, on a whole tangent talking about the times where people aren't respecting the rule of law or where it's, it's probably appropriate not to. Right. Right. Exactly. Depending on, on what it is. So I, I do think, and I, I got to plug this, right? So I do think there's some folks out there that were very much in the gun control camp uh, a month ago that might not be so much in the gun control camp anymore. And they're learning things about uh, the regulations that are in place to, uh, that you have to you know, go through and, and comply with to obtain a firearm. Uh, contrary to some of the propaganda that's been spread by the, uh, the gun control Democrats out there and, and others, um, you know, you can't just go on the Internet or call somebody on the phone and buy a gun and have it shipped to you. There's, there's lots more things that have to take place. And uh, it's kind of cool to hear stories about people that um, are realizing that all of a sudden because it might change the way that they think about gun control going forward. And, Kevin, you and I had a, had a you know, conversation about, you know, what's, what's the deal with the rush on— you know, a run on guns right yeah, now. Why, why is everybody time. buying guns and right. ammo? And, you know, I think it's the uncertainty factor. And, uh, you know, folks just not knowing, um, you know, if there's going to be enough toilet paper. And <laughs> or, <laughs> I mean, guns. Uh, yeah, or guns. Or I, guns, I mean, right. The toilet right. paper to me is a joke. I mean, really? Um, how, how much of an issue down there do you really have? Right. <laughs> um, you know, maybe a— Maybe the garden hose and a, a good there, handle is the there, solution yeah. for you. Yes. Open the window and run that thing in there. But, um, yeah, I, I think that people are concerned. And, and, and if it gets to a point where, you know, we've seen it play out in other countries where supplies of things, you know, critical things, food and, and medical supplies and things like that, start to dwindle or become very, very scarce or non-existent completely, uh, folks will take up arms and take it from other people. That, that right there, it's the, it's the shutting down of the supply lines because the supplies aren't available. So that's thing number one. Right. You know, that, that's the toilet paper effect, yeah. um, except apply it to guns. And, and you're right. When things become extreme and the world starts to go crazy, and that's what we're in right now. It is extreme and things are starting to go crazy. That's when people go crazy as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think. You know, at the end of the day, when, when, when you start running out of stuff and, and it becomes, you know, uh, just chaotic. Um, if you're not armed and able to protect yourself, you're just collecting supplies for somebody who is. <laughs> There's a perspective. Yes, yes, you're right. All right, so, yeah, this whole issue of freedom, uh, important to American exceptionalism, but let's kind of pivot back to the, the you know, the, the topic uh, and and away from the coronavirus virus for a minute and and what do you think, Bryant? Uh, do you do you think American America is exceptional and and why and what is it about what is it about it that that gives you that feeling? So the the short answer is most definitely. I absolutely believe that America is is exceptional, um, and I think the uh, the one that you hit right off the, you know right out of the gate the, the freedom that that personal liberty. Um, that's number one, right? And then, um, you know, you can talk about our, our political system, although we've talked about it here recently and just how jacked up our politicians are behaving. And at the same time, I think the system in and of itself, the way it, is, it was created and has been maintained throughout the years is one of, if not the best setup in the world. Right. Far from perfect. Right. But, uh, but you're right. And, I think this is a good time to say that uh, in, in the ebb and flow of debate throughout our country's history, 
there have been many times and many circumstances where our freedoms, our form of government, our um, the size of government and so on becomes, I believe, threatening to the people of the United States. And to be aware of those times and to stand up and to fight and to protect and to defend the values that I believe need to endure in order for America to remain uh, the exceptional city on a hill, to quote Ronald Reagan, um, to, to maintain that over time, they, they, it, you can't just take it for granted. Freedom is never free. It, it, it requires awareness. It requires focused attention to stay on it and, and do what you need to do to, to protect them in every area of your life. So, And it comes with responsibility, right? So yeah. responsibility uh, to the, the citizens of our country. And, uh, you know, history has shown us that America has a responsibility to, to help as a caretaker of the world, really, um, a protector of, of the world and, and folks that are not able to necessarily do so themselves because we have um, created an environment where we can and uh, some people appreciate that, right? And some people don't. And some people are, you know, are, are pissed off about it and they'll complain about it right up until the time that they uh, need it. And then they'll be upset when they don't get it. You know, it's kind of like the, the police here in America, you know? People don't like the cops until they need them. And then they get pissed off because they're not there fast enough. So, but you said something very interesting. It's one of the points that I had written down, and that is, America has the resources to go and support and defend and help anyone in the world when there's a catastrophe, when there's an accident, when there's an act of God, when there's a storm, when there's a tsunami, when there's whatever. How did America get that way? Well, I think it's the test of time. Right. And our values. Right. Right, the things we care about. And, you know, by doing that, you know, you, you create... That, that history or that set that precedence and then folks start, you know, creating the expectation now, you know, that, you, you know, our actions and the actions of, of those that have come before us as Americans and the things that they have done have created that expectation out there. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, people yep. do expect it and, and get upset when they don't receive it. Yeah. So I, I thought about this in two, in two separate sort of um, pieces of information when I started thinking about American exceptionalism because it came from somewhere. Uh, it, it's no accident, in my view, that America went from what I call a ragtag um, group of 13 British colonies into uh, the world's sole superpower uh, not initially, but it was. It became pretty quickly one of the superpowers, and then became by far the most prominent uh, superpower in a span of just a little over 200 years. And in the history, recorded history of the world, nothing like that has ever occurred before. No, we're we're still a baby. We are a baby. As, as far we, as a country, yeah, we're yeah, still a baby. We we are still a baby, and uh, it's remarkable. Maybe a toddler, but still a baby. Exactly. That, that there was a, a system that was put in place that allowed the people to thrive. And that's what I love about the founding principles of this country. The, you know, the equality of all people. Um, I know first thing somebody's going to say is talk about slavery, which I'll get to in just a minute. But um, 
yeah, that, that we are not going to be ruled uh, based on heredity. You know, that it, a royal family gave birth to the next generation, and that's who's going to rule the country, which, you know, for much of the world and many parts of the world is exactly how it was done. Everybody's equal. Uh, the, you know, basically the very prominent class system that was, it was and still is in effect in many parts of the world was not written. In fact, it was um, absolutely uh, not going to be a part of, right. of who we are. Free market capitalism, the balance of powers, which I love, uh, the genius of the balance of powers of our government, where all three are of equal power and there's this constant tension and argument and debate back and forth between all of them, right. which means it looks like just the, the nastiest sausage making. They know this now, right? <laughs> No, of course not. No, no. I mean, I, I think they know it. Uh, you know, they they learned it in a book at some point, right. but they don't act right. that way. Yeah, I was right. gonna say they're, they're they're not actually playing it out that way. Sovereignty belongs to the people, not a ruling class. Uh, the general view that people can and should take care of themselves, uh, that the government is there to protect the citizens and to provide those products and services that allow people to to thrive themselves, but is not overbearing. Um, and, you know, so that, that was the, the founding. And then all of a sudden, all of this stuff started taking place, and America just started to thrive like crazy to the point where, and getting all the way back full circle to, to what you were talking about a few minutes ago, we have the biggest, strongest, most robust economy in the history of the world we have resources available to be able to give them away and to help out when we can. That is no accident. Right. That didn't happen because we just decided we wanted to be that way. It, we did that because the system that is in place, the exceptional system that was put in place in this country to allow people to thrive, to allow people to enjoy the benefits of their own labor, and then when, when they make it, they take those resources and they give back. Right. We are the most generous people on the planet by far. Yeah, the, the only thing that I would, and I, 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 I'm going to use this kind of carefully, right? I, the only thing I would take exception to there okay. and is that, um, that they didn't do it with intention. or uh, You said something to that effect, right? Um, that it just kind of happened as a result of, of other stuff. I think at some point somebody had to see this, right, for, for it to happen. Um, and I don't know who that collective body was, right? But I, I, I believe that at some point, um, folks in, in power and, and steering the ship had to see the desire or in the, the intent to, to be that as a nation. Um, I, I'm just not sure that happens absent that intention. No, you're right. I, I uh, and I didn't mean to not say that. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, and, and maybe I misinterpreted what you said too. I mean, that's entirely possible. I, I believe I'm, I'm going to read a, a quote which addresses your point directly. Uh, this is something that Thomas Jefferson wrote, third president of the United States, and uh, and John Adams was the president before him, and John Adams lost the election. By the way, so back to George, back when George was president, he only wanted to be president for eight years, two terms. And he decided to walk away. Peaceful transfer of power for the first time in the history of the world. Then, then Adams came in, and Adams wanted a second term, but he got beat by Jefferson. And what did he do? He peacefully walked out the door, and Jefferson took over as president. 
another peaceful transfer of power. That doesn't happen. That hasn't happened in the, in the past history of the world, and, and it happened here. And so, anyway, back to TJ, as I call him. He wrote this, America was the beacon of the world, and then this. America was trusted with the destinies of this solitary republic of the world, the only monument of human rights and the sole depository of the sacred fire of freedom and self-government. From hence, it is to be lighted up in other regions of the earth. If other areas of the earth shall ever become susceptible of its benign influence. That says he saw it. He saw that he wanted this incredible form of government to be put into place and, and to influence the entire world, not by force, right. but by example. Because he calls it a benign influence. It's benign. But, you know, we're not out there to take you over. We're just going to live by example and let you see us thrive, and you're going to want some of it. That's, uh, that's genius. That's yes, amazing. Yeah. And it's working. It's working. Right? It's, it's, it's still, working. still working today. Oh, with all of its you know, and, you, and, and, and I love the, uh, <laughs> the example of um, you know, the peaceful transfer of power. You know, even in spite of all the uh, hate that's been spewed here lately, and I think you know, disrespect that's been shown to the office of the President of the United States and, and, and so on in the last um, couple of terms, right? Yep. So yep. not, not Absolutely. just this one. Um, even, you know, even with all that stuff occurring, you still had the peaceful transfer of power. That's right. And I believe that we always will have that. Yep. You know, for as long as America is still uh, committed to stand for what we believe in and, and the things that we were founded for, um, you know, that's not going to go away. Yeah, but, but it has to be paid attention to and it has to be, you know, supported and defended. And you're right. I mean, President Obama was a polarizing figure. There's no doubt about it. He was, he was more extreme than I, I think. I, I think he was more extreme in his views than um, than any of his predecessors in terms of his view of America and the world. And uh, you know, President Trump clearly is polarizing. And uh, you know, both of them. You're right. Uh, you're right that uh, and and President Obama, uh, when it was over and done. Walked out the side door of the White House, and it was over. I don't know if he actually walked out the side door, but you know what I mean. So I'm not a an Obama fan, and I know that didn't right. come as a, as a shock to anybody. Right. And at the same time, I, I'd, I'd offer this about his presidency, right? Um, no shock to anyone, first African-American president, right? right. right. You, know, you know how how I feel about that term, African-American, right? So he's uh, we use that when I think we shouldn't, right? Um, although some would argue in his case it might actually apply. Um, because I, I don't believe that we, you know, I don't walk around saying I'm a, an English-American or a German-American or an Irish-American because I had relatives that came from there. Right. Um, I'm an American. I was born here. I'm an American. So you're connecting the dots as to why I said it might actually apply to him. But anyways, um, I think in some ways there was an expectation of greatness placed upon him because of his race and the first one of his, his race to accomplish the elect being elected as a president of the United States. Right. Okay. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if he's walking around thinking that, but I, I, I just think that there, there, 
there could be some expectations there. And maybe, you know, some of the things that we saw him do were an attempt to deliver on those expectations. Okay. Yeah, that would be a, that would be an interesting conversation to have with him someday. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Not. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm still not an Obama fan. I'd sit down and have a beer with him, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to, to serve in a position as the most powerful man in the world for eight years, you bet. That, that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, there wasn't – I'm with you. There wasn't a whole lot that, that he did that I agreed with. But uh, as we've said on this podcast before, I respected the position that he was in. And, uh, and I think you have to. Yep. Don't have to like the person. Right. And you need to respect the position. Right. Yeah, so this system uh, that, uh, that our founders, this amazing experiment, which continues, by the way, and it's, you know, it, it's growing and it's morphing and it's changing and it's under attack and the pendulum on any number of issues swings back and forth depending on which party is in power. It's, it's just fascinating to watch. And I, I remember, I actually... I re- fascinating is one word. Well, I, I remember thinking, I was thinking recently back about when President Obama was elected. I mean, I just couldn't believe that he got elected. And um, at, at the time, and I was, in a, I was at a, a gathering in D.C. with a, um, a group of colleagues. And, you know, of course, it was within days of the election, and everybody was talking about it. And, and this is the funny part that, that just makes you realize how how short um, people remember their history lessons. But uh, these guys were telling me the Republican Party is dead. It will never come back again. I mean, it was just trounced, and uh, the, you know, the, there's no relevance to the reality of what's going on in the world anymore in the Republican Party. They're out of ideas, and the Republican Party will never be in power again. And it's just amazing how <laughs> wasn't all that long till the pendulum swung back the other way completely. And uh, you know, as you recall, when President Trump took over, the House, the Senate, and the presidency were all in Republican control. No longer, but um, uh, the House isn't, but the Senate and the, and the presidency is. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here in November of this year. Yeah, we're getting the rest of it back. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yep, well, I'm, I'm calling that out. All right. Most folks know how we're voting, so. <laughs> I'm voting for America. There you go. I like that. I like that very much. And right now, the ones that I see supporting that are not Democrats. Yeah. I, I think. In I, my personal opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I would, I would agree with you on now, that as well. I, I can't say that, um, you know, well, I, I will absolutely say. Now, if they were. And there was a absolutely qualified candidate who had similar views and, and was actually doing things. I don't care what party you come from. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm always going to vote the Republican Party lines. That's, that's not true. And I don't think that I think that's narrow minded. Yep. Yeah. There, and there are, uh, you know, I think what we used to call blue dog Democrats that are uh, that are of what you described, you know, they're. You know, they do have some, they're not extremely left. But unfortunately right now, none of them are in positions of power. They're there, but they're, you know, lower down on the political food chain, at least in terms of the federal government. I can't speak for the states. 
because I'm not fully aware. Right. In Virginia, though, there are, you know, when uh, when the legislation was put before the Virginia Senate, there were four Democrats that voted to kill the bill. And uh, and so there you go. There's some examples, right? Yeah, absolutely. So so they're out there. Um, you know, I think there's other things that contribute to the exceptionalism of America, though. I think it's it's who we are as a people, right? And some of the hardships that we've had to endure mm-hmm. over time that have developed the the character of those that have come before us, and 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 even you know present company and and the the current uh, current elements of our society, right? So. Um, it's interesting to watch how um, divisive we have been as a country in the last year or so, two years. Yep. And when, uh, when something occurs like what we're dealing with now, right, with this coronavirus scare or, you know, I think back to, to 9-11 and the, uh, you know, the tragedy that occurred there and how we put aside our differences and come together as a nation because we all are Americans and that's ultimately, you know, what we stand for and, and we're going to work together. It's kind of, it's kind of like that, um, that situation where, you know, as siblings, you can, you can have fights with your brothers or sisters. Um, and at the same time, you're not going to tolerate somebody else sticking with them. That's right. Right. It's so, all about the family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you can fight internally all day right. long, but it's as like soon the as services, some, right? So, it's, right. you know, the services could go They're They're all sitting in a bar talking shit to each other. And then somebody walks in from another country or, or, you know, wherever and starts dogging them. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Right. They're going to, they're going to all band together and, uh, and, and stand up for whoever that is that's being attacked. Right. Because at that point, the, there's no more division. Right. There's, Imagine there, a place where we, act, where we acted like that every day, uh, all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah. Let's so, create that. Yeah. There's two other issues I want to talk about. Not not only two more, but two more that I that that relate to me to American exceptionalism. First one is immigration. People throughout the world vote with their feet. And what I mean by that is there is a, and, and always has been, um, a deep desire to come to America from all over the world. And it continues to this day. If America is not exceptional, explain that. Right. Why does everybody want to come here? Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's all those folks that are out there that are, you know, um, complaining about the current administration's policies on immigration and so on. I think that, you know, that's got to be regulated. Right, because of there course. are so many people that want to come here. Of course. And, you know, it's not like that in other countries. You know, you can't just, you know, get on a plane and fly to wherever and be welcomed with open arms, you know, and it shouldn't be like that here either, right? There should be processes that people have to go through, and there are, right? But unfortunately, a lot of they people just don't. Need to and be they enforced. just need to Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so, so people come here because it, it truly is the land of opportunity. There truly is still. An American dream, and and at times it's harder than, and right now I think it's very hard because of government oversight, and uh, and you know it's it's been worse. Although I mean, think back to when we were um, children, <laughs> back in the seventies. That was a little bit ago. Um, I think one of one of the, the maybe the if you, if you earned over um, so much money, the tax rate was ninety percent, ninety percent. In the United States of America. Ouch. Yeah, that's unbelievable. 
and uh, obviously we, we beat that back. And that's another one of those pendulums that swings back and forth. But still, in spite of all of that, people are still wanting to be here because they know they can be self-determined to go and do and be and enjoy the fruits of their labor more here than anywhere else in the world, and it continues. So that's point number one. And point number two is about American exceptionalism. Where does most of the innovation in, and creativity come from in terms of technology? Think about the world that we live in now. We live in the information age. It's all from America. I mean, not 100%, but I mean, most of, most of all of the breakthrough technologies that are entered into the market come from this country. Yeah. I mean, where would we be if Al Gore hadn't invented the internet? <laughs> I mean, where would we we'd, be, seriously? We'd be in a hell of a spot. Um, maybe we can have him on as a, as a guest. We should invite him and just, you know, talk about when he did invent the internet. I, I think and that would be an awesome podcast. Yes, we should, we should do that. I, I have one degree of separation from him. I know somebody who knows him. We so could have some fun with that. We, we can have some fun with that. I'm, I'm not sure he would like us, though. Not that I really care, but... We're likable. <laughs> Most days. We're warm and cuddly. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now, though, because we're social distancing. That, yes, we are. I made sure we were six feet apart. Anyway, all of that stuff doesn't happen by accident. It happens because when you come here and you bring something to the market that has value, no matter what it is, no matter what the product or service is, you can enjoy the fruits of your labor here. And a lot of other places, if there's redistribution of wealth, you know, if you come up with some amazing idea and under communism, you know, you're limited. That idea is owned by the government. They get to take it and they get to do with what they want to do with it and they can redistribute it wherever they want to redistribute it. That's not the case here. You know, there is some redistribution, of course, right. but it's not like, you know, the government owns everything, the government runs everything and everything is for the government and everybody shares equally. It doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. And uh, that's another exceptional element. And that's why that continues to happen. Th these things don't happen by accident. They happen because there's a system in place that allows the people to thrive. So I would say that everything we've talked about thus far supports the argument, right, that, that America is exceptional. And I, I absolutely believe that. Um, the question I would have uh, is, what are the cons, right? What are, you know, those are the pros. What are the cons? What, what, what would you argue um, potentially against America's exceptionalism? What, what are our areas of weakness that we need to work on? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of people call us selfish. That uh, when, when you do work and you do well, and you start um, earning all of this money or earning the fruits of your labor, and, and you don't, you know, people say, I've, I've heard people say this um, who, who don't agree in free market capitalism, and they say, how much money do you really need? I mean, Bill Gates, uh, you know, I think he's now the number two man. I don't remember. It changes because he keeps giving his money away. But people say, how much money does he actually need? So all of the money that he's making, he ought to just give it away. He ought to, that ought, the government ought to take that money. And, uh, and you know, so the, the argument is at some point you've made enough, you have enough, 
you don't need anymore. And so anything that you earn above and beyond a certain point ought to go back to helping out the rest of the people, uh, the, the people who don't have the same opportunities, the people who don't have the same amount of money. So, you know, people could say that it's, it creates a culture of selfishness where people are just looking out for themselves and their own interests and not necessarily because they know they're going to get gained from it and they're not looking out for the good of, of the whole people. Right. Yeah. So and what happens in a situation like that? So, you know, let's say you set the, I don't know, just use a, a round number, right? So you make a million dollars a year. Um, once you get to that point, then, you know, anything you make over that, you have to give away. Right. Um, what, why does that not cause people to make their million dollars and stop? You know? Oh, that's exactly what would happen yeah. if that were the case. Yeah. Where's your incentive to continue to thrive and to continue to push and continue to work hard? No, no. That's why, that's why it doesn't work. Because people just say, what's the point? Right. What, what's the point of me? You know, I've, I've used this example before in personal conversations. It's exactly the same as put yourself in school. You work hard, you study hard, and you get 100% on your test. Well, somebody might say to you, you don't, I mean, you're getting, getting, an, you're getting an A anyway. You don't need, how about we shave off those top 10 points of yours and only give you a 90 and take 10 of those points and give them to other people in the class who are, you know, just bouncing above or just below failing and let's get them above failing. You know, they're, they're coming in in the old, in the old days, 60 below 60 was failing. Right. And so they're at 58, 59. Well, you take some of your 10 points and you give them to them and, uh, you know, that puts, brings them up over and then they get the pass and, and, you know, you still get your A, uh, but you know, how many, how high above, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. And people think about that and go, no, it's not the same thing. Yes, it is. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. It's well, that, that's what you're doing with money. Why would you work hard to, to get an A if people are just going to take the points away from you? Agreed. So, so what are, the one thing that comes to mind for, for me anyways as a as a con and and I think we're seeing some of that right now is as a country we have become too reliant in my opinion on the manufacturing capabilities of other countries and okay. you know we we've seen present day we're taking a little bit of a hit as a result of that right so there's um, there's a lot of manufacturing that occurs in China Right. And other places. Right. Um, I don't know if this statistic is true. Uh, and it concerns me to even think that it might be true. Right. And, and I heard a number today that like 95 percent of the medications that um, that we use as a as a society come from China. Right. And that might be a high number. And, and could be. It, it, it wouldn't even, surprise but, me. But let's say it's just 50 percent. Right. You know, I think that's still too big of a number. You know, we, um, I think that's something we, we need to take a hard look at and, uh, and, and figure out a, you know, you, you think about, um, you have an enemy and you want to do harm to that enemy. You know, what's the, what's a great way to do that? Well, you know, you start infecting their, their medication sources, um, quality thereof, and uh, the food supply potentially, and I, I think there's a lot of concerns there, and, and uh, we need to, I think as a country, we need to take a hard look at, um, you know, where, who we're relying on for 
everyday survival things. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think that's one of the things that if you go back and watch old old uh, YouTube videos of, of Donald Trump from 30 years ago, he was saying what you just said, that um, it, the, the trade regulations that were in, in place and put into place and the NAFTA deal and all of that stuff were some of the worst um, foreign trade regulations that, that we ever could have conceived of. And as you know, much of that he's backed, he's, he's taken out of effect and renegotiated. Right. And so I think a lot of that stuff is, is starting to change. But most interestingly, I think this coronavirus, you know, right now everything from China is shut down right, right now. And so I, I think that's, that's going to have an impact long term. I think that's going to help. The new trade deals that are put into place are going to help. But I also think that this, this whole business right now where everybody's trying to stop the flow that could spread the virus of all kinds of products back and forth. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, I, I've heard different, uh, heard and seen different things that people have put out there. You know, what are some positive aspects that you can think of as a result of what's going on with the coronavirus? And I think that this, this con that I just threw out there about our reliance on other countries for way too much stuff could actually be turned into a positive and, you know, I challenge folks out there to, to figure out, you know, what, what are we relying on from these other countries that, uh, that we need to be producing here? And how could you be the one to spearhead that? There you go. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, as the old saying goes. And we are, we are in a circumstance right now uh, in our country where there's all kinds of new necessities that weren't there literally one week ago and even one day ago. I mean, stuff is changing and being clamped down on so hard so quickly, and people now need stuff that they no longer have the ability to get. Right. And what, what are we, and actually, this is going to be remarkable. What are we as, as an American people going to do to rise to the occasion and thrive, and what are the, there's going to be many, many, positive and unintended consequences that come out of this because of all of the new products and services or or um, business processes that that are the result of this because people are smart and they and when they're given the opportunity to thrive they will they will put their brains to work and bring things into effect that the markets have never seen before and I I'm looking forward to that you know obviously we want to ride out this storm, but there's going to be some, I think there's going to be some neat stuff coming out of all of this. Oh, I have no doubt. You know, there's always, uh, when, when you have some type of a challenge like this, whatever the crisis is, there's always good things that come on the other side of it. You know, who's probably shaking in their boots. There's a number of colleges and universities that have resisted and looked down upon distance learning because, Oh no, you got to come, you got to, it's got to be brick and mortar and you got to come in and there's value in meeting as a people and you got to be in a traditional classroom and there has to be traditional lectures and this whole business. And they've just, you know, the whole learning by leveraging the technology of the internet was looked down upon as second class education. Those people's lunch is being eaten right now because uh, there's all kind of universities that are loving this because they're continuing to roll along with their online learning and businesses are everybody's doing it now it is going to change that market 
If you're not, it's going to change a lot of things. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, and I had this conversation with a with, with a gentleman today. You know, it, it it could potentially change how we interact with each other. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's changing it already. Yep. Um, could it have a long term effect? Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's lots of information out there about why you know certain countries may have been hit harder than others because of their um, cu- uh, cultural practices and so on. Right. Um, you know. It's, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, is the, is the handshake going to die as a result? Yeah. You know? It's going to go into a foot tap instead. Uh, actually, I was told that by somebody that now, I think in parts of Europe, instead of handshaking, that you actually stick your foot out and you... you yeah, kinda... I've seen, seen some videos of yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Maybe. about that. Yeah. I, uh, I live in a hugger society. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we hug. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it will be interesting. And uh, I, I don't believe all cultures are created equal. I, I, do that, I do believe that you need to have respect for, and I, I love the diversity of, of various cultures. But when it, comes to, when it comes to freedom and when it comes to liberty and when it comes to respect for human dignity, um, all cultures are not created equal. Uh, and there's no doubt about it. And there's examples of it all over the world. And that is another one of the exceptional components of, of America that I, that I love because those values are important to me. Uh, I, I think when you take freedom away from people, when you, take a res, you know, respect, when you reduce the respect for human dignity uh, and, and human rights, and again, we're not perfect. We, you know, America has terrible, terrible actions and scars and mistakes that we've made. Right throughout the yeah. history, to, to borrow a phrase from you, the warts and hairs. Right there, you go. Yeah, right. We right. have them. We have them. Yeah, but it's but it's a hell of a lot better than anywhere else in the world. Amen. And uh, amen to that. This this is an exceptional country, and I literally wake up every day and I thank God that that I was born where I was born when I was born, and I don't take it for granted, and I never will. Um, I and and I do want this country to continue to be uh, the city on a hill, being a tremendous example to the rest of the world. And they say, wow, those people, you know, they're not perfect, but there's a lot of good going on there. And I want, I want some of that. That is the most powerful example. Yep. I, I believe it is and forever will be. Yep. I agree. I agree. So. No doubt. All right. Oh so God, man! <laughs> any more parting shots, or, or no. do you think we've we've covered this? I I have. I'm I'm looking. Let me just you know glance through my notes. Yeah, I don't. Uh, we got to continue to be aware of and protect our freedoms. We need to know our history and fight to defend uh, what's important. And uh, and I I just look back with appreciation on the genius of those minds that were responsible for. The, the founding of the political system in America that allows people to thrive. And, and, uh, and many, many of them remain in place to this day. Some don't, but many do. And it's remarkable, actually. I think it's amazing. It is. And I, I, I think about and, and um, kind of imagine the day when we'll be able to meet those folks, right? Because you know they're watching. You they're bet. paying attention to what we're doing. And uh, there are times when they're incredibly proud, and there's other times when they're just shaking their head in disappointment because their children are acting like idiots. Um, yeah. 
And uh, I think, uh, you know, we need to focus on making more of those moments where, where they're looking down and they're, they're proud on, uh, you know, proud of us for what we're doing as a, as an American society. Yep. Yep. I agree. I look forward to that day very much. Yeah. So in, uh, in closing here, I would, uh, I would encourage everyone to continue to, uh, to weather this storm and, and look out for yourselves and look out for each other and, you know, comply with the things that, um, that folks are putting out there. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, even though they could be interpreted as infringements upon our freedom, I think they are uh, being done with the, the best intentions. Or, um, you know, if, if they're not, then, you know, shame on them, uh, folks in power to, to enact that stuff. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, right now they are. Um, but just, you know, pay attention going forward, you know, six months from now when this is all passed and so on, you know, don't let those folks out there in those political positions, uh, think that they can, uh, just willy nilly, willy nilly start infringing upon our freedoms because, oh, look how easy it was during the coronavirus. Yeah. 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 I, 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 my general assessment of all that is they're not, they're not up to anything malicious. They truly are trying to protect and defend the, the, the American people. And as long as I continue to have that sense, yeah. then, you know, but as soon as people start trying to take advantage of it and start working, you know, political gymnastics to try to get some sort of thing across it there. And I know there's even some of that going on, but for the most part, I think, I think the, their hearts and minds are in the right place. Yeah. There you have it. Agreed. All right, so take care of yourselves, take care of your families, and while all this is going on, make sure you're still focusing on enjoying the ride. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Great Beer Chronicles. Please subscribe so you'll receive notification when new episodes are available. To learn more about the Greybeards, visit their website, graybeerchronicles.com.